Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here as we continue a series we started last week called God with Us. And we uh, launched the whole series with a question. We said that everybody at some point in their life, and maybe in some part of your life right now, you're asking the question, here's the question, where is God right now? Usually that happens, we ask that question whenever your circumstances seem to contradict what you expect or what you think God ought to be doing or what ought to be happening in your life, and it's going much more difficult and it's much harder, and something that is a season that you thought was going to be short has actually lasted much longer than you thought. It's costed you much more money than you thought. It's been way more painful than you thought. This conflict has not been resolved as quickly as you thought. And it's just like, where is God in the middle of all of this? Now, this question wasn't original with us or our generation, as you might imagine. We can trace it way back throughout human history, and especially at this account of the birth of Jesus. Uh, This is an amazing story. We're going to look at on Christmas Eve in more depth, but that over and over the question was asked and people were wondering, where is God in all of this? Like, this is not what we expected. This is not what we thought was going to happen. But yet, God was all in the middle of it. As a matter of fact, the gospel writer Matthew He takes a quote from the Old Testament that was 700 years old, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and he brings it and drops it right in the middle of this Christmas story, this story of Jesus' birth, and he says, I just want you to all remember and never forget this important promise that God made through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, 700 years ago, and it is so true, and it's still true today, and here's what he said, chapter 1, verse 23 of Matthew, here's what he says, and if you would, let's read these highlighted words together. He says, look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, And they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say it together, God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. And that notion of Emmanuel, God is with us, gets challenged at times. And maybe there's some area of your life right now where it's getting challenged. You want to believe it, but man, it's really a challenge. It's really hard. Like you're just holding on to the last shred of faith that you have because everything that's going on in your life is really challenging this notion. And we talked about last week that it is easy to believe in God on the mountaintop experiences of life. We enjoy God on the mountaintops. But we get to know him in the valleys. Last week, we talked about valleys and what do those spiritual valleys look like and how do they feel. And if you missed that, I encourage you to go back and take a look at it. But this week, we're going to shift our focus from the valleys to the wilderness. We're going to talk a little bit about what is a wilderness time in your life. Because maybe you're going through one right now and you just really aren't aware of it and don't know really how that works let me explain. It's a prolonged period of hardship. It usually lasts much longer than a valley. 
it's usually a time where you don't really know what's going to happen next. It's a, it's a period, if I could give it three words, it's a period marked by wandering, by waiting, and wondering. Like wondering what's going to happen next. Like I don't know what to do, Lord. I don't know how to proceed. I wish I did. Here's the interesting thing about wilderness times is they tend to follow mountaintop experiences. It's an ironic place to put them, but they tend to follow, not always, there, there are certainly exceptions, but they tend to follow mountaintop experiences. Let me give you an illustration or an example from the life of Jesus. It was right after the amazing mountaintop of Jesus' baptism. It had to be, to date in his life, one of the greatest moments of his life. He's baptized by his cousin John, and in that moment, the Holy Trinity is present all, like visibly, all at the same time and, 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 and is manifested in that moment. We're told that the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove on Jesus. Heaven cracks open and the voice of Father God speaks down. This is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And everybody goes, oh my gosh. If we had any doubt before, there's not any now. He is the Messiah. He's the son of God. Everybody's like, yes, sir. You're in charge. You're the man, right? All of a sudden, Jesus is like, it's about time. People start kind of recognizing, right? No, he didn't say that. But it's a, an amazing mountaintop moment. Well, what's interesting is the gospel writers tell us immediately following that moment, it says, all at once, immediately, he is led out into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. Oh my goodness, like you wouldn't think that would follow up a mountaintop experience like that, that that's what happened. That's where he was. Prolonged period of wandering, waiting, and wondering. Now, he might not have been doing as much wandering, but there's like, a, there's a sense of, this is hard. This is a tough season. And maybe you're going through a tough season like that right now too. Maybe your tough season is you're in a job that you don't exactly love. Maybe you would even say, I do the opposite of love it, I hate it. You know, I really hate this job. And I'm trying to decide, I'm wondering, do I stay in this job? Do I quit this job, try to find another job? Do I go back to school? And if I go back to school, can I afford that? I'm going to have to take out school loans, and then I got to pay them back. But if I don't do that, am I missing an opportunity? And all this is kind of swirling about in your head. And you're like, well, I'm not sure what to do right now. I'm a little confused. Or maybe you're in school right now, but it is so stinking hard. You just hate it and you want to be done and you wish you could just quit right now, but you're getting so close to the finish line. It's just like, you know, if you could just finish and you get the diploma, you get the degree, it's going to open some doors for you that otherwise wouldn't be open. And it's just a hard season right now. And maybe for you, it's maybe your living situation. You've been paying rent for a long time, and you're thinking, I don't want to pay rent my whole life. I want to, at some point, start building some equity in this place that I live, and I don't know when. It's like scary to take the big step of faith and purchase a place. I don't know if it's time, if this is the time, or if I should wait. Or, I'm not sure, and you're just kind of in this limbo. You're not really sure what needs to happen next. Maybe it's with your, your dating life. All right? You've been dating, dating, dating for a long time. You're not sure what the next move is. Ladies, maybe, single ladies, you probably are in this situation. Or maybe you're not single, you're dating, 
single and you're like, is he ever going to propose? I don't know, but I hope that he will hurry it up a little bit. And you're kind of thinking, maybe he won't. And we're going to go along like this for years. And then we break up and I'm like, why didn't I break up with him a long time ago and move on and do, you know, meet somebody else? And you're kind of in this wondering, I don't really know what to do right now. And maybe you're in a marriage where your spouse hasn't been honest with you, and you caught them in it, and you have worked through it, or you're in the process of working through it, and you'd say, either I've forgiven them, which is great, or I'm trying, I'm working, I'm in this place of wait, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get there, I want to forgive, I know I need to, like that's the best thing, and maybe you would say, I do forgive, like I can say that, I do forgive what happened, but I'll tell you, here's my challenge, Pastor Will. My challenge is trusting again. Like, I, I, I forgive, but man, you're going to ask me to trust him? You're going to ask me to trust her again after that? Like, that's hard. I don't know when I can do that again. Like, it is just everything I can do every day. And they're asking me, when, how long is this going to last? How, when are you going to be able to trust me again? I wish I could tell you I don't know. And it is a season of waiting, wandering, wondering What's going to happen next? And maybe I didn't even name yours. You got yours. Whatever it is, whatever your wilderness time is, and whatever aspect of your life, maybe it's with a child in a relationship that's just not good right now. Um, whatever that area is, here's what I want you to know about the wilderness time. Your wilderness time reveals your deepest needs. It's amazing how your wilderness time, it's powerful how it will begin to reveal your deepest needs before God. He will use it to bring it to the surface so that you're aware of it. Now, to answer the question, what is God doing and where is he during these times of wilderness times? What might he be doing in our life and how does he want to use and leverage those wilderness times in our life for us spiritually? To answer that, we're going to turn our attention to an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah. Okay, Elijah was the first of many prophets of Israel, and the thing that's amazing about um, Elijah was that he's probably known as the most um, dramatic of all of the prophets, and, and I'll tell you a little more about why that is in his life. But he's not only was the first, but you see him manifest again in the New Testament um, him and Moses both show up on the Mount, Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus uh, in the New Testament as Jesus brings Peter, James, and John up, uh, up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they're blown away. Like, wow, here's the, the symbolic representation of all the, the law and the prophets, Moses and Elijah. And, but we, we, we rewind the story here to um, Elijah's life, and here's what we find is that Elijah was a guy that was willing to stand up. He had incredible courage. He stood up against the evil King Ahab. And he said, King Ahab, because of your wickedness, because of your sin, God is going to bring a drought for three years on this country. I don't care how wealthy you are. If there's no water falling out of the sky, you're going to hurt real bad in three years. For the next three years, Ahab is trying to kill Elijah, he's coming after him. Elijah's hiding in the wilderness. God is sending ravens, the birds, ravens, to bring him food, feeding him 
every day. God's nourishing him, taking care of him, protecting him, providing power and his presence in his life. And during this season of time, we're told that Elijah even raises this kid that dies from the dead. Like God is working in powerful ways in his life. Probably one of the most dramatic and amazing things that happens in the life of Elijah was this showdown that he has on Mount Carmel with 850 prophets of Baal who are all trying to lead the nation of Israel astray, away from the God of Israel. And so uh, the prophet Elijah says, listen, okay, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you ample time to create some kind of manifestation of your God, Baal. You can do whatever you want to. They holler, they cut themselves, they do all kinds of stuff, nothing happens. At the end of the day, Elijah stands up and he says, okay, here it goes. God, so that you will show your people your power, and I love this end of part of his prayer, he says, and so that their hearts will be turned back to you. I love that that's why he did it, to turn the hearts of people back to God. Will you show yourself? And it says that fire fell from heaven it totally consumed the altar, everything on it. It consumed the rocks, the water around it, everything. And everybody was like, oh my goodness, the God of Israel, the God of Elijah is the real God. And they all bowed down and, they, and he says, and so here's what we need to do. I want you to get rid of those false prophets. They all are to be executed, right? So that sounds pretty extreme. They were leading the whole nation astray and that's what happened. And right after that, he turns to King Ahab and he says, King Ahab, the three-year drought's about to end. I'm going to pray to ask God to bring a rain cloud. And all of a sudden, here comes dark clouds starting to roll in and it starts a thunderstorm and it comes down big time. And, and Ahab makes it back home and he tells his wife Jezebel, you're not going to believe, like a little kid telling his mom, you're not going to believe what Elijah did to me. He came down and he knocked out all of our prophets and he told everybody that his God's more powerful and his God dropped fire down. You won't believe everything. So she sends word to Elijah and says, by this time tomorrow, boy, I'm going to have you killed. I'm coming after you. I mean, my husband, I gave you three years, okay, but you couldn't get the job done. I'm going to do it in 24 hours. So it's crazy because Elijah, after all these times where God showed up over and over, his power, his provision, his presence, over and over and over, and the king couldn't kill him. Nobody could get to him. God's power keeps showing up. And one crazy psycho woman, right, makes a threat. <laughs> and he is freaking out. He leaves town. It's crazy. Let, let, let me read to you what happens. This is 1 Kings chapter 19, starting with verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there. Let me just say, from Jezreel to Beersheba, it's about 100 miles. He ran. Now, some of you ran on a marathon last Sunday, right? That's wonderful. He just ran four, okay? Unbelievable. He's a quick dude. He ran all the way to Beersheba. And he's not done yet. And while he himself went a day's journey into, let's say it together, a day's journey into the wilderness, he goes further out into the wilderness all by himself, came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. What a man of faith, right? Here's what he prays. And just see if you can relate to this prayer. Just, I love that the Bible is so honest about where these people are. And let's read the highlighted word together. He says, I have had... I've had enough, Lord. Right? Have you ever prayed that before? God, I've had it. 
with these kids. I've had it with this work. I've had it with this financial stress. I just can't, like up to here, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. If you've ever felt like that, guess where you are? Probably the wilderness, right? This is probably a good indicator. That's where you are right now. So let's just take it in stride and let's kind of figure out what we need to do if that's where we are. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Like he's like, kill me, God. Take my life. He's in a pretty depressive state. He's in a really bad place. He's totally exhausted. He's been running, running, running physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm done. Can you relate? Some of you can totally relate. And it's more than just physical. It's more than just physical fatigue. I want you to see this. Because if it was just physical, you could lay down and take a nap and you'd be all better. But you take a nap and you get up and you're still tired. You're still just flat worn out. The issue is deeper than that. It is a spiritual depletion that has happened in your life. It is the spiritual depletion that has happened in his life. And what you need is spiritual replenishment. You, want, you need an encounter with the living God. You need a time with just you and God alone. And that's exactly what Elijah needed. And what's beautiful is we see other writers throughout the Bible that share these moments of wilderness times and how God met them and how God just came and was what they needed in that moment. One of them was David in the Old Testament. We have this beautiful prayer, Psalm 23. Some of you may have heard it before. But he says, this is what I learned through my wilderness time. The Lord, he is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And he restores my soul. That's what he does. Nobody else can do that for me. Only God. I can't, as your pastor, I cannot do that for you. Your spouse cannot do that for you. Your kids can't do that for you. Nothing can do that but God to truly restore your soul in the middle of a wilderness moment, season of time. You need an encounter with God. I do too. We crave it. And a part of that exhaustion and that like yearning to like I've had enough kind of moment is, is, is it should be like a, a flashing red light on the dashboard, like pull over, change the oil right now, or you're going to destroy your energy, your engine. You, you need to pull over time with God now because you might be making a decision next, something you say or do you're going to regret maybe for the rest of your life. You're going to start making really foolish, stupid decisions that you're going to regret forever. Don't do it. And I, I love what God does next in the story. God doesn't come to Elijah and preach a sermon. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, boy, where's your faith? I can't believe you'd say something so stupid. After all I've done for you, why would you, do, why would you run? Why would you do this? Are you kidding me? He doesn't do any of that. Let's see what God does. Here's what he does next, verse 5. It says, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. So evidently it was a Food Network angel. She came paid him a visit. <laughs> he ate and drank and then laid down again. He was so tired. 
that God's saying, I'm going to meet you right where you are. For some of you, the most spiritual thing you could do is just get some rest. To mark off some time on your schedule where you can just rest and be alone with God, to talk to Him. I know that sounds like, what good's that going to do? I promise you, He's the one that restores your soul. It's amazing what happens when we make time for that kind of thing to happen. And the story goes on. He goes back to sleep. And I love that God comes and says, here, I just want you to eat. And I'm going to give you some time to rest. I'm just going to let you rest. He comes back. The angel returns. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Isn't that beautiful that God's like, you're taking on a little too much, buddy. You, you, this is too much. You, you're not built to sustain this level of activity. It will cripple you. It will crush you. Some of you are under the weight of that kind of thing right now, and you're going, 2019 needs to look really different than 28. I took on too much. I said yes to too much. I'm doing too much. I'm running, 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 running. all the time. I feel exhausted all the time. Guess what? You get to choose. You get to choose. You can make some choices here. I love what it says. It says, and he was strengthened by that food. He traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, Horeb is another word for Sinai. Mount Sinai, if some of you, if you may remember, it is the same place that God met with Moses several centuries before. This is a powerful and incredible place where God has met with people. And it changed the course of history. And here he is on this same mountain, centuries later. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. And I love this question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Hey, buddy, what, what are you doing here? Like, why are you choosing to behave like this? Why are you doing this? See, God's asking the question not for God's benefit. He's asking the question for Elijah's benefit. I want you to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Think about it. Think about why are you responding the way you are to your wilderness right now? Now, I'm asking you. Why are you responding? And the wilderness may be in one area. It's in a relationship. It's in your finances. It work. It's with your kids. It's with your parents. It's with you name it. You fill in the blank, wherever it is. Why are you responding? You know you're not proud of your response. You know you should be responding better. Why are you responding like this right now? Don't you know that the way that you respond to your wilderness may very well be prolonging it? You're making it worse. You're making it longer than it has to be. In other words, your response to your wilderness is your responsibility. Elijah, Brazos Fellowship, it's your responsibility. We all get to pick how we're going to respond to our wilderness, mine and yours. We all have to personally take responsibility for how we're going to respond. Forgiveness is a choice. Unforgiveness is a choice. We sometimes, we can argue and tell you the whole, oh, you know, I don't have a choice. I, I can't do it. I'm telling you, always have a choice. You always have a choice. And this is what God was trying to show to Elijah. You have a choice here, buddy. You have a decision to make, and I want you to think about it. 
What is, what is the, the response? And, and, and this moment of, in the wilderness is revealing something deeper in Elijah. It's revealing a deep need in his life. And it's beautiful. It comes out in this response that Elijah has next here in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10. It says, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. And he's telling God all this. He says, they've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I want you to read this highlighted word together with me. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. God, you have to understand what's going on back home. Like, I am all alone. I've got no help. I've got no one that can relate. I am scared. I'm exhausted. I'm done. I've had enough. And now I got this psycho woman chasing me down. She wants to kill me. Can you believe this, God? What is he saying? He's saying, I can't do this on my own. I'm trying to do it all by myself, and I'm the only one. I can't do it, and I'm so sick of this. I can't do it anymore. It took the wilderness to get him to this place. Bam. That one thing you just said reveals where God is about to meet your deepest need. What is that for you? Because what we see next is that God meets Elijah right in his point of deepest need of his life. God wants and can do the exact same thing for you. But it takes time to be alone with him. I love this, this next part because our, the deepest need, or pardon me, let's, let's go back to the, the verse real quick. Um, so he, he's, he was zealous, they're wanting to kill him, and, but what it really reveals is that your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. And to stop trying to depend on yourself. You see, that's why Elijah was running. He was depending on himself. I can try to fix this. I can make it better. I can do. And his fear was driving him further and further and further away from the solution of the issue. And he wasn't turning to God. He wasn't trusting God with it. But I love what God says next here in 1 Kings 19 verse 11. Here's what he says. He says, go out. He's telling Elijah this. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Now, I would say that was a pretty powerful wind. It's shattering rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind, we're told. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And it's amazing because in that moment, in the whisper, that's where God was. And he speaks to Elijah and he says, it's, it's time to stop running. It's time to go home the way you came. I'm not done with you. Some of the greatest stuff is ahead, but you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to depend on me like never before. And oh, by the way, Elijah, you're not the only one. I'm with you. And I have 7,000 more people, Israelites, ready to follow your leadership that have never bowed a, a knee to Baal, that you know nothing of. 
So all the reasons why you think this is impossible, I'm going to take care of all of it. You got to trust me. You see, God wasn't in the elaborate, the remarkable, the dramatic. He was in the ordinary. He was in the whisper. We're always waiting for God to write something on the wall, do some big, dramatic, amazing thing. I have this amazing testimony to tell everybody. Sometimes he does that. My experience, it's rare. Very, very, very rare. Most of the time, God's MO is whispering. Whispering his truth. Letting you and I hear him in the everyday. If we will take the time to listen, take the time to be alone with him. So powerful. And the reason that God whispers his truth, the reason God whispers his truth is because he is calling you closer to him. Closer. Ever closer. And he's saying, I am with you. I love you. I am here. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And if you will learn to depend on me in this wilderness... I'll get you out of here. I don't want to keep you here forever. I'm going to make your story so great. You've got to trust me. You've got to depend on me. And we're going to get out of here. But I know when you're in the middle of it, folks, your, your soul, you just feel crushed on the inside. Something's got you heartbroken. You are hurting. You're frustrated. You're confused. But I'm telling you, God says, I promise I'm not as far away as you think I am. You just got to take time to be quiet, to listen to my whisper. Going back to the writing of, of David, Psalm 34, verse 18, he wrote this. The Lord is, let's say it together, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. God whispers in our anxieties and in our stresses because he's close, because he wants to draw you ever closer. He wants an intimate relationship with you. He wants you to trust him, depend on him like never before. And many times God will leverage pain, even though he may not have never, he would have never picked that or chosen that for you. It happened because of choices And he's going to use it now to drive you close to him. But you've got to be willing. But I'm telling you, what I have learned through the years is that I would much rather be with God in a wilderness experience than without God on the mountaintop. It's so much better with God, even if the circumstances are tough. Here's the prayer. I want to ask you to pray with me today as we close out. Simply saying, Jesus, the wilderness that I'm facing right now is revealing my deepest need. And I am choosing to let it drive me to depend on you more than ever. Would you be willing to pray that? That's a bold, bold prayer. But I promise you, it is a game changer. It will change these next few weeks, few months, Certainly going into 2019, it'll look very different, including God, recognizing He is with you. He may be whispering, but He's there. Take time to listen, to listen to His Word, to listen to wisdom, to pray. Take time. If you be still and know that I am God, changes everything.
Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.